Well, good morning. My name is Troy Tudor. I'm the executive pastor here at First Baptist Church. My pleasure to be with you this morning. David is uh, on, uh, on his November, no, no preaching November, and uh, he's out of town today. So the staff has been able to fill in the last few weeks. It's my turn. Now, you, you're, you're probably a little shocked because you've never seen me up here before in the modern services, and there's, there's some good reasons for that. While it's true I've got the great televangelist TV hair, right? I have absolutely refused to wear the skinny jeans necessary to be a part of the modern service. There's some other good reasons for that too. You know, I'm a little bit old-fashioned in my methodology and in my style and in my approach. In the traditional service, they're, they're, you know, they're used to that. They're used to the week-long revival services and the long-winded pastors. And um, Oh, did I mention that I have the record for the longest sermon at First Baptist Church? I do. And you might notice that I have three pages up here, but don't worry. It's just because I'm getting older and I have to get big type so I can read it without my glasses. So hopefully we'll get you out of here on time today. Uh, today we're going to be looking at, uh, you know, you guys are just really lucky all the way around. We're going to be looking at a topic today that we only cover about once a year. And that is the topic of stewardship and generosity. And so when David asked me to speak today, he said, hey, and by the way, can you... So it's my first time to speak to you guys, and guess what? I get to speak on generosity and stewardship. So don't clench your wallet. It'll be okay, I promise. And we'll get you out of here on time. And uh, uh, again, uh, let me just introduce myself as the executive pastor here at the church. I have a a little different role than the other pastors. I don't do as much hands-on ministry as they do. I'm more of an administrator. I do do ministry like this today um, uh, in my career here. But uh, I'm more of the guy who is the nuts and bolts guy behind the scenes of what's going on in the life of the church. And so in my role, I get to spend a lot of time observing things. And you'll see me standing in the back most Sundays, right? I'm not being angry or mad. I'm just paying attention to what's going on. Part of that is for safety and security reasons, and and part of that is because I'm watching the flow that's going on in the church, seeing if there's anything that needs to be taken care of, trying to make sure that the worship experience for everyone who comes here is a good experience. And so that's a part of my role in, in observing what's going on in the life of the church. But I'm also observing what's going on in the life of the church behind the scenes. Uh, You know, uh, again, uh, this church can't function without um, the generosity and uh, the input of those who attend. We wouldn't have lights. We wouldn't have a good worship team and band that have the resources that they have to perform. We wouldn't have uh, heat and air conditioning. We wouldn't have good coffee. We wouldn't have any of those things in this facility if God's people weren't generous with not only their money, but their time and their energy and their efforts. And that's really what I want to focus on here today. I get to see a lot of examples of people being generous in more ways than just giving. I get to see the examples of uh, teams who move organs and teams who make coffee and teams who welcome people in the parking lot and teams who welcome people at the door and at the welcome center and teams who help clean up after big events like um, craft fairs that we had yesterday. This you know, church gets demolished with uh, hundreds of people coming through and there's people who show up and help put everything back together so that the church is ready to go Sunday morning. There's folks who are generous with their time in the way that they um, help us maintain our air conditioners, uh, maintain the building, uh, whatever needs to be done. We've got folks who just show up and, and clean the desert area around the church, all kinds of ways that people are generous 
uh, in supporting the work here at First Baptist Church Las Cruces. And we could not do it without that generosity. I also do, though, as the executive pastor, get to look at how people give or don't give. Now, again, I'm not here to point anybody out or make anybody feel uncomfortable, but the reality is across the country, uh, in churches across the country, about 20% of the people, if you're fortunate, in a church body are actually giving to the church that they attend. And so generosity doesn't always include money. We're going to look at that. But it definitely can include your money if you're a generous person and a believer. So here's uh, what I want to, to, for you today to get out of this. What I want for you today is to get an understanding of what generosity should look like in your life as a believer. What generosity should look like in your life as a believer. First off, I'm going to give you some examples that you can relate to of why it's important. First, we have a generous God that we serve, don't we? We have a God that gave and gives to us generously many blessings, our, sal- our eternal salvation, so many things that God gives us. And again, we have people around us that we can see as examples of what Christian generosity looks like. And I used in the first service, and I'm going to do it again, the example of Joe Andrews, our campus pastor. 6.03 this morning, I got a text from Joe. It said, I have been and am praying for you, Troy. Because he knows I'm a little nervous talking to all you strangers, right? He says, I have been and I am praying for you, Troy. Joe is super generous with his time and with his talents and with his treasures. And I'm going to tell you, Joe does way more at this church than he gets paid to do because he is a generous Christian. And so we have these examples around us, but we also have from Scripture many, many, many examples of what Christian generosity should look like. And let me tell you, it's an integral integral part of the Christian life. It's not something that you can pull out and, and, not, uh, and not utilize if you're a Christian and you're going to live a Christian life that is in line with what God says a Christian life looks like. And so uh, we're going to look at the parable of the Good Samaritan. And, and that's not a typical, uh, typical uh, passage that Baptist pastors would go to when they're talking about stewardship and generosity. They usually want some passage that will make you feel like, you know, you're a Christian failure if you don't give, for example, and we're not here to do that today. What we want is for you to mature in your faith to the point where generosity is a part of your Christian walk, where generosity uh, is, uh, again, you modeling the behavior of God in the lives and in the world that you live in. And so we're going to look at that. And Jesus, if we pick up in this story, Jesus is uh, being questioned by some folks who are trying to trip him up a little bit. And this guy's a lawyer. And so he's asking Jesus, you know, how do you have eternal life? And Jesus tells him, you know, you're going to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your soul, all your spirit. And he finishes that statement by saying, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right? And this guy tries to, again, trap Jesus a little bit or trick him and say, well, you know, well, who's my neighbor? In other words... What do, what do people around me have to do to qualify to be my neighbor, right? So that I have to treat them with love and love them like me. And Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan to flip that dynamic on its head and allow uh, the people around listening to him to understand what it means to love somebody else, a neighbor, like yourself. And he does it with the story of the Good Samaritan. So we're going to pick up in... Uh, the uh, text here, Luke chapter 10, verse 30, and we're going to read that together. It says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and made a trial of him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit? I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong verses. These guys are like, What's he doing? <laughs> verse 30 says, Jesus made answer and said, A certain man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, 
And he fell among robbers who both stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance, a certain priest was going down that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And in the manner, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he was moved with compassion. And he came to him and he bound up his wounds, pouring on them oil and wine. And he set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, he took out two shillings and gave them to the host and said, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, I, when I come back again, will repay thee. Which of these three, thinkest thou, proved neighbor unto him that fell among the robbers? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. And Jesus said unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. So, again, let's talk about this little story here. Let's put it into perspective. I'm on a search and rescue team here in the, in the city, and... and um, uh, this reminds me a lot of missions I've been on. So if you understand uh, Jericho to Jer- Jerusalem to Jericho, there, that's about a 17-mile uh, journey through the desert. Uh, that's over 3,000 feet drop in elevation. It's like coming down out of the Oregon Mountains and going 17 miles. And I want you to think about that. Uh, these, guys, uh, these guys were on a long journey to get to this town. And not only were they on a long journey, they were on a dangerous uh, route to get from this place to the next. This, this route was not only uh, uh, difficult, this route was also filled with hazards like robbers, bandits, right? People who wanted to take from you the resources that you had on your journey and on your trip with you to get you to, from, one point to, uh, from point A to point B. And so these guys are traveling. This is going to take a little while to do this journey. And they've got, you know, they've got uh, their food preparations. They've got, uh, they've got what they need to be safe. They've got their water. They've got their, their animals uh, to transport whatever goods and things that they're taking. And so they've, they've got all these resources. And so it is a target-rich environment for those who want to rob somebody because who are you going to call in the middle of the desert 17 miles from nowhere, right? And so it's a dangerous trip for these guys to go on. And what we want to learn from this beginning of this parable is that generosity is a choice. Generosity is a choice that you have in your life. Generosity also is an opportunity that everyone has. Generosity is an opportunity that everyone has. Now, let's talk about these three guys as we unfold this story a little bit. First off, we've got a priest. This is a guy who is, again... Uh, acquainted with both the spiritual and the physical needs of the people around him, right? He is uh, like a pastor today. It'd be like, it'd be like if David Burroughs, our senior pastor, saw you broke down on the side of the road with your jack under the car, and, and he just uh, honked and waved as he drove by. <laughs> he might do that, by the way. <laughs> That's what this spiritual leader did. He saw this man on the side of the road. He saw that he had been beaten, right? This guy has not only been robbed, he has been beaten. He has been left incapacitated and unable to complete his journey in the middle of the desert. People die in the middle of the desert when they don't have resources. And so this guy is laying there, and this spiritual leader of the, of the people of God sees someone in need and makes a choice to turn the other direction and walk the other way away from a man who has great need. 
right? And then let's talk about the Levite. So this is a descendant of Aaron. He's not a priest, but this is a person who works in the temple. This is a person who's like, uh, you know, the first example was a good, you know, a good parallel to David. The second example of the Levite is a good parallel to you guys. Somebody in the church, like I've already mentioned, that's uh, making coffee, welcoming visitors, doing things, right? This is a guy who is helping things uh, go right in the temple and serving in the temple, serving God and the people of God in the temple on a regular basis, who understands the things of God and the will of God for his life and is participating on some a higher level than the average person outside the church, right, in the things of God. But he too makes a choice to walk to the other side and leave the guy in his condition and in his position on the side of the road without any help or any hope, right? Two religious people, two supposed people who have relationship with God, make a conscious choice to look the other way and to not fill the need in the lives of these people. So there's an interesting uh, indication that we can get from this parable, isn't there? That often those outside of a relationship with God often demonstrate generosity better than those who claim to be the people of God. That's a sad thing. That's the sad thing if believers who have, again, all the resources that God has given us, right, are not willing to share it with those who are in need. And those who don't have those resources that God has given us are. It's a shame to us to allow that to be true about us as believers. So again, generosity is an opportunity that everyone has. But here's the reality about being generous. Generosity is often inconvenient. These guys were traveling on a long journey. It was tough. They had a lot going on. They might have had some deadlines. They might have had uh, limited resources. They only had enough water for themselves to make it across the desert. Or, uh, you know, they, they only had enough uh, resources to, to get themselves uh, there safely from one point to the other. Who knows? But being generous is often inconvenient because it calls on us to give of ourselves to others the things that we had planned on using maybe differently or for ourselves. And it's oftentimes inconvenient. Do you think it was inconvenient for Jesus to come down from heaven and die on a cross and be generous to us? I think, I think it was. So generosity is often very inconvenient, but it doesn't give us the excuse not to be like Jesus. Generosity, the next point, is an act of love. Just like Jesus was willing to humble himself to the point of death, even the death of the cross, and be generous to us and give himself as a sacrifice for us on the cross, we need to be willing to be generous to others and love them the way Jesus loves. Again, he told, he told this lawyer to love your neighbor, love those that you're in community with as yourself. And so the challenge is for us to live like Jesus, being willing to give and be willing to be generous with the things that we have. Generosity is an act of love. Now, here's the deal. Generosity is about more than money. Now, it often does include money. This is a stewardship lesson, remember. It often does include money and other resources like our time. But for sure, generosity always includes compassion and love. If you are being generous without those things, you are just being like a lost person who's just trying to pay, check some mark for their ego's sake or for their appearance sake 
And you are not loving like Christ. You are not being generous like Christ was because Christ's generosity, the generosity of God in our lives comes from his love for us. So generosity always includes love. Here's another thing about generosity. Generosity does not expect a return. It's not like, what, what am I going to do for you? And then what are you going to do for me? Kind of a deal, right? That's the way the world does it. There's an expectation that if uh, tit for tat, right? If, if you do something for me, I'm going to do something for you. You scratch my back, I'll scratch you back. That's not generosity. There's no love involved in that. Generosity does not expect a return. Here's another thing I want to point out to you. Generosity is a path of worship, and this is where we're going to spend a lot of time here. First, let's just define what real worship is. Real worship is more than just coming in here, sitting, singing, worshiping in song and praise, listening to a message, giving an offering, those kinds of things. Worship is more than that. Worship is about aligning our life with the reality of the God we serve. Worship is about living out our faith. Worship is about doing the things that God has called us to do as believers. Worship is a lifestyle, not an event. Worship is something that goes on in the life of a believer on a daily basis. It's a part of, of who we are. We've been created to worship God. And so worship is about more than this event. And so let's, let's understand then that generosity, in light of being part of worship, what that involves. Generosity, first off, demonstrates that we truly do trust in God. That we really believe the verses of Scripture that we've read, that my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If I believe that, I'm willing to be generous with the things God's given me, and I'm willing to give them to others who are in need, because I know God will take care of me. He will meet my needs. He will never leave me nor forsake me. He will not fail me. I believe those things. And so it demonstrates the trust, the reality of my trust and faith in God when I am a generous person because I'm not worrying about myself. I'm living as Jesus lived. I'm trusting in him. I'm believing his word. And that is an aspect of worship, true faith, true trust. You know, again, it's easy to say, but the Christian walk is about what we do. I'm going to tell you something. I grew up in church. I can quote verses till the, the cows come home. I know God's word. I'm thankful for that. But I'm telling you, it's not about what I know. It's about what I do. It's about how I live. It's about my testimony. It's about my obedience. It's about my faithfulness. And generosity demonstrates the reality of those things when I'm willing to give my time when someone's in need. Maybe it's I just need to pray for them, like Joe did for me at 6.03, right? Or maybe it's uh, I do see them down, broken down on the side of the road. Or maybe I need to help them fix their air conditioner. Or maybe they don't have food. Or maybe uh, they don't have Jesus and I need to share him with them because that's their need and it's their greatest need. And so, again, it is not about, uh, uh, again, what we know and what we say we believe. It is about what we live. So, again, generosity demonstrates the reality of our trust in God. We take him at his word, and that frees us to be generous, and that demonstrates our trust in him. Also, generosity shows the world who we follow, who we model, and who we love. 
Generosity shows the world who we follow, who we model, and who we love. Let me give you again some examples of God's generosity to us. And this is a verse that everyone knows. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Let me give you another one. Jesus came, Mark tells us in first chapter 10, verse 45, Jesus came to give his life a ransom for many. Right? To give his life a ransom for many. He gave his life for me. Right? Let me give you one more. Christ loved the church. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus in chapter 5, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for so again, I've mentioned to you all through the Bible, we have lessons of the generosity of God, of the generosity of believers, of the generosity of those who are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have uh, example after example of that. And when we model that, look, let me just tell you something. If you want to be effective at reaching those you love with the gospel and you care about their eternity... It starts and stems from love and generosity to that person. You can open doors uh, to others through your generosity that you will never open any other way. Kindness, acts of generosity, acts of love, patience, all those things tied to generosity that you're willing to give them builds relationships and opens doors for opportunity for you to be able to share the gospel with those that you know and love. You know... People will listen to you when they know you care. People will listen to you when it's not just lip service, but you demonstrate to them that they're important to you. You don't think that this guy laying on the side of the road would have listened to this Samaritan when the Samar if the Samaritan had anything to tell him after what that Samaritan had done for him? Do we not listen to the words of Jesus Christ because we recognize that his generosity in our life and that he cares for us and that he loves us? Of course we do. Generosity, again, demonstrates to the lost world the reality of who we follow, the reality of the fact that we love God, that we're willing to live a life, again, that demonstrates that. And it opens the door for our ability to be witnesses and testimony, which is another thing that God's charges to do, to be, again, a light and to be salt to a lost world. And so generosity is a good key to help open that door and to demonstrate the world. It allows us to reflect the love and character of God that God has bestowed into our life, into the lives of others. It allows us to reflect that out. Next, generosity is an act of spiritual humility. It is the essence of loving your neighbor as yourself, right? to say that this person is just as important as I am. That God cares about them just as much as he cares about me. Right? And not to think of ourselves, like the Bible says, more highly than we ought to think. That, you know, these resources are mine. God gave them to me. I'll do with them what I want. It's about me. It's about what I want. But no, generosity demonstrates, again, a spiritual humil humility where we're willing to say, you know what, God, the things that are important to you are important to me. So generosity demonstrates to others a spiritual humility that we're in tune with the things 
the work and the will of God. Lastly, very clearly from this parable, generosity is a directive from Jesus. Two times in this parable, he tells this guy, this lawyer, go thou and do the same. Jesus made it very clear uh, about our level of love for him and how that's reflected back to him. And I use this verse a lot. Since you guys have never heard me, it'll be fresh for you. (laughs) Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So this is about returning affection to God, the love that he's given you, about turning it back to him. Jesus said, go out and do this. Love your neighbor like yourself. Love God with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your spirit. And love others around you in community just like you love yourself. The same care that you would provide for yourself in your life, provide it for others. The same uh, needs that need to be met in your life are needing to be met in the lives of others. Be a part of meeting that need. Be generous. So here's my challenge to you today. There's lots of ways to be generous. Not all of us can give a lot of money. Some of us can't give much at all. That's okay. Generosity is not just about money, as I said before. Generosity is about willing, being, again, willing to give of your resources, whatever they are, however much they are. I mean, look at the example of the widow's might. She didn't have much money to give, but Jesus said she gave more than everybody else because she gave out of her need and out of her want. So again, the challenge is, what are you giving? How generous are you? How does the world view your Christian walk through the lens of generosity? In this church, in this community, in your family, in this world, what's generosity look like? Does it match up with what the Bible says generosity should look like in the life of a believer? Because that's the goal, right? That's the goal. If we're going to claim to be followers of Christ and Christians, then our life, we would want that to reflect that reality. And so my challenge is for you to examine your generosity today. I don't know what you need to do. You know, maybe you're not even a member of our church. Maybe today you, you join in here and say, what? This is, the, this is the church body that I want to start being generous in and reach my community. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe it's that you've got a grip on all the resources and blessings God's given you and you're unwilling and you're selfish and your, your perspective is not uh, biblical and what you should be doing with those. It doesn't mean that you give everything away and live like a hermit or something, but it does mean that if God puts a man in your path who is down on his luck and broken down on the side of the road and has been beaten, that you don't turn to the other side like the typical religious person and go the other way, but that you are like a good Samaritan who comes alongside and uses what God has given him for the good of others. Let's have a word of prayer as we begin our invitation time. Father, we are grateful for your word and how it speaks to our hearts. We're grateful, Lord, that sometimes it challenges us to do difficult things, maybe things that we're uncomfortable with, and certainly sometimes things that are inconvenient. But God, you took up a cross on our behalf, and I pray, Lord, that we would be obedient to do just what you've said, to take up our cross and follow you. And we ask this in your name.